Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stick! Come on in. Hello, hello. We are live. Sean Patrick, what's happening? Are we live? Is that fair? We are not live. That's completely <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> I love three, two, one. We are pre-recorded. <laughs> I love it when brands admit mistakes. You just have to face them. Exactly. We do not know what we're talking about. <laughs> we will delete that. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. How am I? I'm good. How are you, Lindsay Wah? I'm great. I'm about to drop an insight nugget bomb. Are you ready? Wait. I just need to visualize an insight nugget bomb. Done. It looks like, like a chicken, a chicken it looks nugget. Like a chicken nugget. Exactly. Full of insights. And I'm We're dropping <laughs> it into the sweet and sour sauce, which is the people's. <sighs> what a day. I love it. Okay. Right? Yeah. The reason I'm dropping this bomb is because Sean always doesn't let me get off topic before we actually talk about our topic. So I'm just going to start throwing quick topics at people <laughs> and we'll park it for later because I can't keep these things to myself. Yeah. Okay. Nugget bomb. Wellness industrial complex. Boom, boom, boom. Do, do, do. I'm researching wellness trends for one of my clients, and I stumble across this notion of the wellness industrial complex. I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but go away on your own with a glass of wine late in the evening like I do and Google wellness industrial complex, and we are going to talk about it on another one of our episodes. Okay, can we just commit to next episode? Sure. I can't wait. Yes. I can't wait. I got to go. I mean, maybe we shouldn't talk about it because it does kind of bash the psychology of marketing, <laughs> which is our jobs. <laughs> no, but it's the psychology of bad marketing or marketing exploited. Yeah, exploitative like evil, marketing. evil brands. Okay, we're going to call it evil marketing. Evil market. We, I mean, everything's evil marketing, is it not? Not all it marketing is evil. It doesn't all have to be evil. Yes, exactly. not all marketing is evil. Some is for good. Especially when you listen to things like what we're listening to. Meaning the, the 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 article, you know, think with Google. It's just it's just information. Do with it what you will, like you say. Exactly. So what is this article? What are we talking about today? We are talking about something that appeared in my inbox, because that's where all the most important things happen in my inbox. Oh, uh, from I think oh, uh, I think Okay, think with Google. Uh love it. Uh popped out, popped up. And with a title, it's for March 2020, so hot off the... Pr- no, March 2021. <laughs> oh my we? goodness, we've literally erased the last year. Oh, what a way to celebrate one year in, isn't it? One Just year ago. Just get rid of it. Okay, well then I have nothing to talk about. Today's topic is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Please, let's not start talking about all the topics we talked about for the last year all over again. Okay, I'm not going to handle erase- this Groundhog Day. 
I'm going to erase our podcasts because they all happened in 2020. <laughs> Can you believe that? Anyway, well, it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> four COVID era trends. Yeah, not a tidy three. Four is acceptable. It's manageable. It's rememberable. Four COVID era trends that will have a lasting impact on the products and experiences people want. Which I, I have think. Have a quick question. What's yeah. rememberable? Is that a word? Did I, I say that? Know. Yes. I'm not sure. Maybe it is. We'll look it up later. Anyways, move on. Memorable. Four COVID era trends will have a lasting impact. Sorry if you misunderstood what I said, but that one's going to stick. I know. Stick. That's my classic, classic bumble. Yeah. And I just kind of thought, okay, I feel like we've been, like, I'm so tired of COVID trends, but it's like, I think it's just because I'm tired of COVID and we just can't ignore that any insight we can get um, will be of value. And I do think Google uh, is a pretty relevant source or resource for us to kind of see what are people doing as it relates to their search habits and what they're looking for. I love that you're over COVID trends because I'm so not over it. Perfect. I'm not over COVID trends because all I hear is just wait till we go back. It's okay. Like, we don't need to think about the fact that digital has accelerated at a rapid pace. Just wait for everything to return to normal and we will just cruise through the rest of life post-pandemic. I'm like, no, we're not going back to the new, the old no. thing, right? We're not. No. Okay. We're not. So there is going to be a new normal for sure where some of these trends that you've been seeing over the last year are going to continue on. So as a marketer, you can't just be like, I'm going to wait another six months and it's just going to go back. We'll be cool. We'll take out the old playbook. We still need to evolve and think about these trends that are going to have the lasting impact. Some will, and you can't ignore that. Okay. I'm scared a little bit. I'm fired up. Sorry. It's good. It's good. This wellness industrial complex got me all fired up. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really. Okay, what is this week about, Lindsay? Really? I mean, let's just do it. No. I'm sorry. (coughs) Very straightforward. We're going to back and forth this one because we both read it together and both went, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, It's pretty practical and it's very relatable as consumers, really, not marketers necessarily, is really, yeah, I think these are pretty bang on. There's nothing surprising about the four pieces except what you can't ignore is they, they, they hold together very nicely into what we, I think we already know. Um, But what you and I love is not data that surprises, but data that so clearly validates what we think. Right, right. So let me uh, kick off just the overall, uh, you know, premise, and we'll just back and forth each of the different pieces. Sound good? Let's do it. Assuming Lindsay doesn't get too fired up. I'm super so, fired up, actually, about one of them, but we'll okay, see that good. at the end. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so here it starts, and it's just, this is how I'm over COVID, is it's the, it's the opener that just is like, I know, but, but to say the last 12 months have been challenging is an understatement, blah, blah, blah. But, and I always like articles that show optimism, uh, if at least balanced with pessimism, or just optimism all in. So as pragmatic optimists energized by ideas of what's next, we're drawn to the silver linings from the last year. 
let's talk silver linings. So that's where the hook was for me. Um, jumping right down to, you know, they talk about these four seismic shifts that have happened um, in retail. And when you look at online, I mean, we say retail, just so everyone understands, retail has to do with fast food. It's it's really anywhere where you buy shit. Fair? It's not Fair. just stores. Um, right. But it does have to do with purchasing, right? Products and services. Um, so the primary catalyst for these shifts has, has been our at-home experiences, right? That's the key thing here. We now live right. an at-home experience for many of us, 24-7. Um, it has redefined how we work, shop, and live. It has impacted the way we express ourselves and the way we consume everything from content to products. As people adapted to these shifts, so did businesses. Brands had to get creative and find new, more meaningful ways to connect with consumers. And that's exciting. Thank you. We see four <laughs> trends that are enriching the B2C, business to consumer, and B2B, business to business relationship, and evolving products and consumers' experiences for the better, right? So that's really yeah. what I like about this is and you're I right. It's it, it, it's not over. It's not going to come back to a new normal. But imagine if whatever it comes back to is for the better. And if that's your outlook as a consumer, as a human, or as a business, then Let's do this. Yeah, and I think when they say the primary catalyst for these shifts has been our at-home experience, I think that's where don't get tripped up and throw these things out because when we move into the new normal, it won't be led by all the time these at-home experiences. That's what's been the catalyst and the trends are what will continue regardless of whether you're still at home all the time or back right. out into the world. Well said. Catalyst. That's where someone might read it and be like, hmm, it's based on at-home experiences. So again, I'll wait six months and then throw it out. Not the case here. These right. Are the it's what's we'll going to stick. You're right. Yeah. Very good, Lindsay. And catalyst, let's go back to like enzymes and biology class. It's, you know, this is the catalyst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, wrong podcast. <laughs> I'm bringing out squeaky voice. Wow. Yeah. For that fan who listened to that episode, thanks so much. I'll appreciate this. Um, okay, so here they are without for further ado. The four COVID era trends that will have a lasting impact on the products and experiences people want. Do you want number one or do you want... It all depends on what, which, um, which you You take you number most. one. Please okay. go ahead. Okay. After you. Number one, more helpful Relevant shopping experiences. Yes. People, yes. Should we talk? <laughs> should we talk about the four and then go into them, or should we just go one at a time? Um, let's say the four first, so that people can know what to look forward to if they want to skip to one. But then Perfect. we can just go in order. Love it. More helpful. Number one. Brrr, more helpful, relevant shopping experiences. Number two. Locally minded and collectively conscious consumers. Hmm. Marinate. Number three, values driven spending decisions. Can I just, is that the one? Is that the spicy one? Yeah. No. Oh. You might think so, but no. That's the spicy one for me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's my favorite one on a positive side. The spicy one for me is number four, which is empathetic, creative, led by at-home experiences. Oh. <clears throat> Sounded like I was going through puberty just then, so let me redo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have some green tea stuck in my throat. Um, the spicy one for me is actually number four, which is empathetic, creative, led by at-home experiences. So let's do it. Go into number one, Sean. And can I be honest? I didn't like that one. Yeah. Is that what you mean? I was like, I don't know, I don't know what that let's is. Let's not let the little cat out of the bag. All right. I'm just saying wait it's funny you say to... that because I'm like, Wait yeah, until think... we get to number four to see how we feel about it. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay. Number one, people will expect even more helpful, relevant shopping experiences. Okay. So it's like you said, the expectation may shift a little bit. Or may, you know, fluctuate, but it will never go back to the way it was. Correct? Accurate. Right. The acceleration 100%. of... Di- cool. The acceleration of digital adoption, especially e-commerce. And that's the other part I get tripped up is when it all falls into e-commerce. It's like, no, I get it's undeniable, but it's it's just that I just don't want people to go away thinking e-commerce is it. Do you know what I mean? Is to say, yeah, that's the... Like you said, that's where the catalyst is apparent, but what will that mean moving forward? Because it means mm-hmm. so many other things. Is one yeah, of the most it's o- facilitating purchase through digital experiences. Yeah, well said. Facilitating oh, purchase you. through digital experiences. Oh my god, I think that's the name of our podcast. Oh wait, we don't do that anymore, do we? <laughs> We're done naming our podcast. For anyone who's listening, we threw Are out we? four thousand names for our podcast. <laughs> All right. This acceleration in digital adoption is one of the most obvious and relatable trends driven by the pandemic. Necessity spurred new users and new cases, and it's only natural that habits will stick around in areas we've been introduced to superior experiences for getting what we need. I'll say that again. Superior experiences for getting what we need. I think there's the key, right? I think we can all relate to a new experience we tried, and it's sticking because we did feel it. We did see it as a superior experience. And if it Mm -hmm. wasn't, we went somewhere else to acquire or experience said superior experience. Yeah. Nobody said, we're going to keep it because I had a mediocre experience. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep it because you got something to me in under six weeks. So that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, Lindsay, because it's confusing when you say it that way. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they call the whole thing e-commerce acceleration. It has been profound. The extent of shopping transformation will be much broader. Exactly. It's not just about e-commerce. That shift is going to really impact this greater transformation that will stick. And this is where, like you said, you're not over it because it'll be very exciting and interesting to see how that does impact retail overall or human behavior or consumer behavior. Think about all the things that straddle the online world and the real world, whether it's contactless payments, curbside pickup. I think it's funny here because it's Google. They say for which last spring we saw searches grow globally of contactless payments and curbside pickup 3000% year over year. I'm like, okay, but mm-hmm. they didn't exist before. Like, yes, I get it. But did they, did they, re- were they even really part of That's a stat you might want to think about. Percent. I was just okay. It went um, from nothing to something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyways, I was just sort of like, oh, it was even a thing. Um, or AR, right? Augmented reality enabled experiences like envisioning the dresser in your room or the lipstick on your skin type. Oh, I bet you love that one, Lindsay. Our extended time constrained at home has opened our eyes to the very real value of this new hybrid space. Hybrid. Some observers are referring to it as, and then I had to, I almost, I went on a, I'm just going to say it. They refer to it as fidgetal retail. I hate that word. Doesn't that make you itchy? It does. I was going to say. Itchy. It's one centimeter away from genital. That's all I'm. Oh. I thought it was just like. Well, I guess I just localized the itch. 400 cups of coffee and you're like trying to sit still. No, to me, it's. I don't know what it is, but it's fidgetal retail. And I remember a long time ago when there was a company, quite successful company, I think they were Toronto-based, tried to launch it as sort of their whole word. I think they tried to trademark it. Fidgetal. P-H-Y-G-I-T-A-L. And maybe I just have that bad taste in my mouth. Let's move away from the metaphor at this point. But anyways, it is a thing. It is resurging. I just hate the word. I really hope it doesn't take off. It's like blurring of the lines between physical retail and digital retail. It's like blurring the lines? Like we are so past blurring the lines. Are we not? I mean, I I think we are. Like oh. we've talked about blurring the lines for more than 10 years. The only thing for me with this is that we people have never had to like brands have never had to actually make a change and people have never actually had to purchase their groceries online so it was like we may be over blurring the lines but i think some like we are just catching right. up now with all of this so no, that's i think really fair. it is a very real uh thing that's going on right now and I think if that's what we have to go back to for the people is who still believe, I guess it was my issue was like, it's calling out e-commerce versus retail in store. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? The world still sees it that way. Um, before yeah. the struggle we were having before COVID was I still had a lot of clients who weren't threatened by digital because e-commerce was only accounting for 6% of on of overall sales. And I'm like, Really? Like, is that what you think? And then they started to realize, no, it's the attribution to digital is beyond just buying online. Um, right. But yeah. Okay. Good point. We need to blur those lines. I'm going back and getting my smudge tool. I'm blurring the line right now. <laughs> I'm being all fidgetal and ill. Yeah. The one thing I would say about this one, I don't need to know that we need to go into this one much further because it is very obvious and people get it. It's that for, like, like they said, we've been doing this for a year now. Um, but it's not too late. So I know a lot of brands, for instance, may be like, oh, you know, we weren't great at e-commerce. We weren't great at digital, like facilitating digital purchase and things like that. Six months ago, you know, we didn't actually, we didn't actually make a lot of big changes during COVID because like we couldn't, there were other reasons and financial and et cetera, that it's, because this trend isn't going anywhere, you have time to still ramp up and do this. So you need to be able to figure out the best way to help people purchase your products and have a superior experience through online channels. And even though you may not have done that in the last year, you may think that you're behind the eight ball. You're not. It's still time to get going because this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think the closing is a great sort of summary uh, that kind of stands on the shoulders of what you just said. But so whether you're a financial institution, a grocery store, quick serve restaurant, 
or yes, an online-only retailer, or a small business, I had to stick that in there, the circumstances of the past year have offered a valuable nudge, eh, Lindsay, a valuable nudge, to reimagine digital <laughs> possibilities and commit to the ever-rising bar for how to be helpful to people. So the idea is whatever you choose to do and however you choose to be part of that shopper journey, your goal should be not about being in their face where they are, but being helpful wherever they find you. Um, right. And that's key. Yeah, and I would even just say, you know, it's not like a nudge down the sidewalk. They're nudging you over a cliff. Like, you have to do this. <laughs> and, like, it's a friendly nudge. It is. Valuable I mean, nudge. But it's... So they don't say it's friendly. You're right. It's... Okay, sorry. Valuable. Yeah, yeah nudge seems a tad light, but I love it. Yes, you, we've been nudged. <laughs> I think it's about shrinking the change. You know, that whole idea of, you know, okay. shrink the change. Nudge over that cliff. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, thanks for Feel that. Feel the nudge. Feel the Feel nudge. Feel the nudge. Be the nudge. It's not a whistle in the wind. You <laughs> Feel the nudge. <laughs> I don't even okay. know what that means. That's all okay. right. Okay. Next. Shall we? Yeah. Okay. Next. Number two. Consumers will be both locally minded and collectively conscious. They say, given travel restrictions, shelter-in-place mandates, and physical distancing guidelines, we've been jolted into a heightened awareness of the value of our local communities. At Google, we see this reflected in a surge of searches related to near me, in quotes, um, which reached an all-time high in the U.S. over the past year. I would say Canada is also the same. Yeah. In turn, we've naturally demonstrated invigorated interest in ensuring our communities continue to thrive. Last mm. summer, searches for local business support grew globally by over 20,000 year over year. Now that's, so, that's something. That's something worth paying attention to. <laughs> <laughs> and this is such an interesting one, especially for people who are in... so. I'm in Toronto, which, as we know, has been on lockdown this entire time. Um, and I find here, and perhaps in bigger cities as well, that um, there's the appetites to support local businesses. People are trying to support local businesses as much as possible, going completely out of their way, doing as much as they can, donating money, even just businesses that have been shut down, trying to figure out, can we purchase gift cards? Like, what can we do to support you during this time? Yeah. It's just very difficult with bus local businesses being shut down, right? So I think the desire is there and the desire will continue this approach to support local businesses and really be there. And as we move into the new normal and things open back up, it's only going to increase because we actually will have the means to be able to support local businesses. You can get out, you can go into retail, you can purchase, the, things won't be shut down. So you'll be able to act on that um, desire much easier when we move into the new normal, which for me is going to accelerate it even more. Yeah, and I think, just hang on, someone's making a smoothie. Don't Lord. they know you're a highly valuable podcaster? Who's oh my doing God, this is why I have now? to get that little hut in the back that you talked about. Yeah, we need a hut. Also, okay. we'll be able to go back into a podcast studio soon. Right. All right. So I think like on the local level and, and the two sides of this point is almost, you know, why it, why it really resonated was it was it was what made it okay to go out to the grocery store. It's what made it okay. Do you know uh, what I mean? Like it a was bit like, of permission? Yeah, it was sort of like, 
okay, you can't just stay at home and isolate yourself. You know, it was like, yes, that was definitely the first part. This time last year, that's what it was all about. But then, like, they talk about it started kind of relating more to the economy, right? This isn't going to go away uh, really quickly. So now we have to really look at the economy overall. And I think where you can, where any of us feel as citizens of wherever it is we live or, or where the economies we contribute to most directly that was sort of a sort of, okay, so it overcame the fear of like, okay, but if I do this responsibly, it put that tension in there to say, I'm a citizen who, you know, really owes it to, especially those of us who made, well, we were heavily impacted, but even so, no, no one lost their job in our house. You know what I mean? Yeah, as entrepreneurs, our businesses definitely suffered, but we we weren't those people who were like, what about the people who are depending on a weekly ch- paycheck? So I think it was that great balance. That's what really was the catalyst for this whole community side is, you know, when everything gets shut down, you got to start locally, right? You, you try and see where you can make the most direct impact. And that's where curbside, I think, really picked up because I knew a lot of people that what used to be the guilt of ordering out was justified by, okay, fine, but I am also supporting my local community. So I think it created that catalyst, created these behaviors we're talking about to really say, well, that felt good right like it's not just about splurging and and indulging it's about no i got to support those around me so tonight we're going to order in yeah and that's where people you really talk about people voting with their wallet right you're like it's potentially dangerous out there maybe not maybe is um we have to be careful regardless so you're really saying what is worth it for me to go and do and supporting local businesses was one of those check boxes that made it more worth it to go there because if you're going to be taking a risk you may as well be helping the community around you and supporting the people that you care about most and i think what made it easy for a lot of consumers were those who weren't suffering from a financial standpoint were actually seeing what i would call an ups you know they had more disposable income because they weren't going out or they weren't traveling or they weren't doing those things so that where do you put that? Well, if I'm going to benefit, I want those around me and close to me to benefit accordingly. Right. Yeah. That's the collective, the collective they talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So we were pushed into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like we were going out there. There was a, just like any external force is, you know, it forces behaviors, but it also forces that sort of moment for everyone to kind of think about what they're going to do next. And I think that's a lot of what this message talks about is realize that what COVID was, was that giant pause that made us a little less mindless in our purchase choices and a little more mindful about our choices, right? Do I really need this? Can I afford this? Am I doing good here? valuable nudge. Valuable nudge without the cliff. Well, it is a nudge over a cliff, but that's the nudge part. (laughs) I see what you mean. Yeah, I love Okay, number three, Sean, hit it. My favorite and your favorite, uh, brand value will converge with personal values to drive spending decisions. I think this was, I think this is what our hook was, but another indication of the pandemic's impact on people's connectivity is our departure from life on autopilot. So it's kind of what I was talking about is the mindless aspect of consuming um, really got shaken up um, because we were shaken up and we had to really take that sort of leap into being a little more mindful of where we were spending our money and how we were spending our money up front for the sake of our safety and preservation. But then as it started to prolong, we became a little bit more um, willing 
for that mindfulness and aware of it. So for many of us, our extended time in isolation has led to an immersion into our deeper psyches and a range of awakenings about our lives. So it is, it's that whole mindful stuff. It's all that be present shit. (laughs) We've been forced to revisit the fundamentals of happiness, family, and health. For many people, there's a shedding of sorts, and I love that, shedding of sorts that's taking place as we try to take on the attributes of our best selves. That's the nudge, you know, that whole sort of spiritual, philosophical, psychological, all that stuff we didn't have time to really dive into. We had the time. In fact, it was it was for our safety. It was the whole idea of self-preservation, not only financial, but recognizing, you know, physical and mental health. Right. I think that's kind of the key to this catalyst that you're talking about. An example manifestation, as they say, is in the U.S., searches containing minimalist have more than doubled in the past year. Again, it's a perfect example of that shedding. It's not just deep reflection on our values that's shaking us. For so many, it's an economic necessity too. These altered mindsets will continue to color our purchase decisions and brand perceptions. Mindless buying is neither practical nor personally fulfilling as we shift toward decisions that reinforce who we want to be and who we can be financially. Wow. Right. In in other words, the notion of value and values will continue to converge. I love that. Independent of a product's price point. So good. Yeah. Completely on point. The notions of value and values will continue to converge. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, when you talk about brand values a lot, it's like, let's pause because this is exactly the context of it. Right. And that's it. I feel like a better person just for reading that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. You, You vote with your wallet towards your values and it does make you feel like you're contributing in a way you want to, to uh, the greater good. Okay. Spice alert. Number four. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is it one chili pepper too? Who knows? (laughs) You've got nine minutes. Go for it. Okay. I, I think it'll be quick. Marketers at home experiences will lead to next level empathy in creative. So this is the fourth trend they're talking about. It says, last but not least, we can expect the products, services, and creative that consumers experience to change because the people developing them have changed. Hmm. Why? Because we've stopped going to work and began bringing work into our lives. Over the past year, the idea of bringing one's whole self to work has shifted from an abstract ideal to a reality that is now broadly felt and experienced. Thanks to video conferencing, we've seen and heard, including leaders and executives in their natural habitat. Kids popping in, partners sneezing, we just witnessed a smoothie being made, dogs barking. (laughs) With remote and hybrid work models expected to continue, we can't turn back the time on the fact that we know our teammates on a much deeper, vulnerable, and human level. The consequence is that we've entered a new dimension of professional plus personal empathy and respect as business people and marketers specifically. This should only cascade a deeper appreciation for the full depth of what consumers think, need, and feel. By embracing our shared experiences and the beautiful complexity of human beings, we will unlock powerful new ideas, deeply resonant, creative, and ultimately less transactional relationships with our consumers. So... What'd you think about this one? Translate. Sean? (laughs) You don't care what I think. There's no time for what I think. Get to it. 
Okay, so I've been reading a bunch about, you know, advertising, um, diversity in advertising, mm. and the types of people that work at advertising agencies, which as we talk about racial equity and inequalities, um, as someone in the advertising and marketing industry, I've been following along closely with this idea and a lot of agencies and creatives and strategy people and, and businesses um, in the ad and marketing industry have been talking about the lack of balance in, in our industry. So and representation and what that means and especially what that means from a creative perspective because you unless we dive so 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 deep into the mindset of the people that we're trying to talk to through marketing which we oh which we always do through the work that we do it's very hard to understand exactly what someone's going through when you're not ex like them right so we're always trying to figure out um, how do we understand people well enough so that we can create creative marketing ads, things like that, messages that are actually going to resonate. And when they say these at-home experiences are going to lead to next level empathy and creative, I just wonder about that a little bit because in one of the reports that I was reading, it's like, think about your averaging, average marketing or brand person in COVID. Probably have a well-paying job. It's inconvenient, but it probably transitioned to move to working from home quite easily. Some have been furloughed, yes. There's been layoffs. There's been um, people who have lost their jobs, but not as dramatically as in an example, the restaurant industry. Yeah, um, there's no spotlight to shine on. Right. Some kind of tragic story across the board. Agreed. Right. So I feel like when we're talking about how this is going to naturally lead into more empathetic creative. I don't know that that's necessarily true because I would challenge it a bit to say that when we're trying to actually get to the root of people who have been really, really affected by COVID, we need to make sure that we're bringing those voices into the creative development process so that we can actually resonate. It's not necessarily just saying, well, you know, your creative director is working from home, so now you can resonate with everyone else who's been working from home and what they've experienced through COVID. I think we just need to be careful and make sure uh... that we are leaning into diversity, that we are thinking more about inclusion, that we are elevating the actual voices and bringing in the voice of these people to help develop the creative and that we're not just saying, hey, you know, everyone's at home, so now we're going to resonate more. I think it's just something that requires a lot of specific attention. Interesting. See, I I just missed the point because I don't, you know, y you're living it. But I come from that world where I was that creative director. But for me is why I kind of left it was because I was tired of, of feeling I had to come up with creative in absence of the strategy, in absence of the facts that say right. this is what's happening. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I can totally see what you mean is it just seems so tactical. I'm like, how is that going to change? Oh, is it the fact that I'm starting to see Starbucks commercials and it's people at home, not in a coffee shop? Like, I seriously was like, I don't get what they're saying here, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Huh. Be very careful. 
I think, I, I think, yeah, it's even more critical to make sure that we're including a diverse voice. So I think something like this just, yes, it may be true, but we need to make sure that we're not just checking that, saying it's going to check its own box. It's something that we really have to put a lot of attention into. And we've talked about listening on some of our other episodes with regards right. to this trend specifically. Listening has never been more critical. We need to actually talk to people who are being really affected and bring those voices through so that we can make sure that we're actually developing creative that resonates highly and not just saying like, well, we're all at home now, so it's just going to take care of itself. And I don't necessarily think that's what they're saying. I think it's just that this needs a lot of unpacking and attention. It does. And it's sort of like in the wrong hands, this could be turned into, we need a creative director who's living it, right? And it's like, mm, if they're living in the city and just working from home and that's the big shift, you know, this is not your general population. So it's interesting. Let's be honest, the great campaigns that are out there, you and I see coming from strategy, right? Because we know that world. We know that it's about being informed. Whereas creative, a lot of people celebrate the creative aspect of a campaign that does well. But uninformed creative is not what wins awards. It's the, it's the creative that comes from sound strategies, strong strategic branding, and over time, um, so yeah, thanks for that eye opener. Because I didn't even, yeah, I'm spicy too, Lindsay. <laughs> anyway, something to take away and think about. But I, I think this has been a really great resource for us to think about and especially appreciate what is actually going to continue once we move more into the new normal. And so, um, as always, we'll be following that closely and we'll share the resource from Think with Google. Awesome. Well, you go have yourself a big glass of milk since you have that spice in your mouth. And uh, <laughs> have a great week. Thank you, everybody. We'll Thank we'll you, Lindsay. Soon. Okay, take care. Thank you, Sean. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the two marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.